Let me invite you to turn this morning to a book in the Old Testament. It's the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37 is uh, where you might want to be if you'd like to read along. You certainly don't have to. The words will be up here on the screen as well. I am uh, reading this morning out of the New Living Translation, and this is a good little chunk, uh, a big, a larger passage, so, you know, sit back. Open your ears. Uh, open your heart this morning. So this is Ezekiel speaking as we come to verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then God asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then God said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then God said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as God commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. O oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, O oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. So Ezekiel is a prophet who has been given a vision. Verse 1 is interesting. It says that God takes hold of him. Uh, almost as if Ezekiel has no choice in the matter. 
and leads him through this valley of dry bones. And in verse 11, God makes it clear to Ezekiel what these bones symbolize. Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. So a little bit of context here. Ezekiel is a prophet during the time when Israel had been conquered by the empire of Babylon. And this defeat by Babylon meant that some of the people of Israel were taken from their homes, their villages, their cities, and made to walk hundreds of miles to the capital of the Babylonian Empire, where they then lived. Some were left in Judah and Israel, but everyone experienced loss, including the fact that their temple, which was the centerpiece of their faith, uh, was destroyed. And so they cry out, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. And in the midst of that heartache and that loss, God comes to Ezekiel with this question, can these bones live? It's a provocative question. And I, I, I can't help but think it's probably a question we have all asked. Not exactly in that way. But who hasn't wondered, will this ever change? Is healing possible? Will this injustice ever end? Will we ever move forward? Can these bones live? It's a question of hope, really, isn't it? And that's what God is asking Ezekiel. Is there any hope that these bones will ever live again? So this week I've been thinking a lot about hope, and I came across this quote from an Old Testament scholar, a person I'd recommend to you. His name's Walter Brueggemann, and he says this, Hope is not just a vague feeling that things will work out, for it is evident that things will not just work out. Hmm. Rather, hope is the conviction against a great deal of data that God is tenacious and persistent in overcoming the deathliness of the world that God intends joy and peace. Israel and Ezekiel had a great deal of data, of deathliness, did they not? They had plenty of data. Separation from their homes, the death of their loved ones, an occupying empire, a destroyed religious system. The data of deathliness was everywhere. And verse 1 tells us that God took hold of Ezekiel and brought him to the valley floor. Not to a cliff far away overlooking the valley. No, God puts him among the bones. It's almost as if God is saying, look at the data, Ezekiel. 
Don't turn your eyes away. Don't try to ignore the bones or pretend that they're not there. It's important to see what is here, to be honest about what is true, even if what is true is painful. And as I've been thinking about this passage and God bringing Ezekiel to the valley floor, again, almost as if to say, look, I think about all the times in my life when I've not wanted to look. When I wanted to look away from the valley of bones. I've just wanted to pretend that they're not there or that everything's fine. It'll all be okay. Because walking through the valley and looking at the bones is really hard to do. Thank you, Captain Obvious, right? But there's no shortage of data for you and me either. Ezekiel, Israel, they had plenty of data, so do we. There isn't one of us who doesn't know pain or isn't familiar with uncertainty We have all experienced what it is to feel hollow and dried out. We've known that personally. We've known it collectively. We have plenty of data. And so perhaps this story is reminding us that the only way through is through. That these bones will live only if we resist pretending that there aren't any bones. We must acknowledge the valley before anything will change. We must voice our heartache, sit in the absence of hope, name the parts of our lives and the parts of our world that are in need of new life. See, hope hope doesn't ask us to be dishonest about the realities of our lives and our world. Hope is the conviction in the face of all of the data that God is tenacious and persistent in overcoming the deathliness of the world. In other words, hope is determined. Hope is resolute. Hope, you might even say, is a bit stubborn. And like Ezekiel, we are called to proclaim hope. And like him, we are invited to receive it. Ezekiel's call to proclaim hope. Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones, all hope is gone, our nation is finished. Prophesy to them, proclaim to them, and say this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. This is hope. In the face of a valley full of data that says otherwise, hope stubbornly stands up and proclaims that God is tenaciously persistent. These dry bones are not the final note or the closing paragraph. So Ezekiel's to go to the people and remind them that God sees them and promises to open the graves of exile, the graves of despair, the graves of hopelessness, so that they would rise again. Hope, hope is an audacious thing to proclaim. 
And yet we're invited to do precisely that, to be proclaimers of hope, people of hope. But let me kind of call a time out here for a moment and offer a few pastoral thoughts. Because we might hear that this idea, we might read this story, think about how we are, like Ezekiel, called to proclaim hope. And so it's possible, I suppose, that we might think that we should therefore just go to someone who is in crisis and just say, hey, it's going to be okay. But remember that definition of hope that Brueggemann gives? Hope is not just saying or thinking that things are going to be okay. Because things are not okay. And they sometimes don't work out. And so, pastorally, let me invite you as people called to proclaim hope, to not equate hope with, it's going to be okay. We, when we're with people who are in crisis, who feel like a dried-up set of bones, I know I have felt and still feel when I am with people in those places how much I want to just say something that will make it all better. Let me tell you from experience, it's a bad idea. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. So don't equate hope with, it, it'll be okay, it's going to be fine, don't worry. I, I, let me just strongly encourage you not to say that to people when you are with them in crisis or difficulty. And let me also encourage you pastorally, as people meant and called to proclaim hope, to not ignore the data. We, we not only want to say something that's just going to make it better when we're with people who are in difficulty, we also, I think, don't want to look at whatever is causing the difficulty. And that's why we often say things to try and like make the tension and the discomfort go away. But I think one of the greatest gifts we give people when we sit with them in crisis and difficulty and pain and loss is we acknowledge the data. We acknowledge the pain. We say to someone, I cannot imagine how hard this must be. I see the pain this is causing you. My heart goes out to you. I am so sorry. I think it's really important to acknowledge the data Instead of trying to just gloss over it or maybe not talk about it, we don't want to bring it up because we don't want to, no. I, again, this is, and someone, anyone, can certainly disagree with me because I am, I'm leaning heavily into my experience here. But I have found um, repeatedly that what people need when they are in crisis is someone to come along and just sit next to them Sometimes say nothing at all, and if they say anything, it is to simply say, I see you, and I see what you are feeling, and I see how hard this is. It's not to say that there isn't a moment and a time to also say to someone, God is with you, 
God sees your pain. That might be part of maybe even kind of recognizing the data. As people of hope, I think we can and should say at some point in the right moments with people, um, this is not the end. I don't know what the end is. I don't know how this is going to work out, if it even is going to work out, but I know this isn't the end of your story. So a couple of pastoral notes there. As we wrestle with, I think, this invitation to be proclaimers of hope, it doesn't mean, I don't think, just going about our lives and just hope, 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 be hopeful. Right? I, I don't think. I don't think that's it. And, and, we can be people who say, God sees you, and God's promise is to breathe life into you again. We can and should say that as proclaimers of hope. So there's some tension there, I think. The prophets didn't maybe have to worry about this quite so much, or maybe they did, I don't know. We, they often seem very bold and willing to just proclaim it, period. But I think most of the time in our lives, there's there's some wisdom needed about how to go about being people of hope. But we're called to proclaim it, and I'd invite you to just think for a moment, you probably already are, is there anyone in your life who is in a place of, of dry, of being a, a collection of dry bones? Is there anyone in your life for whom you can be a voice of hope? A voice of honestly acknowledging the data. A voice who doesn't try and gloss over the pain. We're called to proclaim it, and we're called to receive it. So we know from chapter 1 of the book of Ezekiel, we read chapter 37 this morning, if you start at the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, verse 1 of chapter 1, we learn that Ezekiel is living in exile with many other Israelites. Which means that Ezekiel has been taken captive. It means that he was forced to leave his home. It means he witnessed Babylon's destruction firsthand. Right? Right? The misery and the hopelessness of the people of Israel is not something that Ezekiel is unfamiliar with or somehow detached from. Yes, he's a prophet, but he's also an Israelite, and like all Israelites, he has lived through the horror and the trauma that the Babylonians have brought. And so maybe it's not a stretch to imagine that these words in verse 11 are words Ezekiel has spoken or even thought. I think we tend to put the people of the Bible up here and we think that they're somehow above the fray or that they didn't struggle. I just don't think that's true. If you read the Bible, you find out these people are really human. <laughs> and if they're really human, then... How does Ezekiel not have moments when he wonders? 
these questions of hope and hopelessness. So I can't help but think that this vision that Ezekiel saw wasn't just meant to help him understand what God was doing or what the people were feeling, but if it wasn't also meant to help him heal himself. Maybe these stubborn, tenacious words of hope were not just for the people of Israel, but were for Ezekiel too. And maybe they're for us as well. Maybe these words today are for you. Maybe you came in here in need of remembering God's tenacious and persistent pursuit and commitment to overcoming the, the deathliness of the world. We're called to be proclaimers of hope. I think we're invited to receive hope. Those are big things. They're complex things. How do we do it? I mean, I felt kind of all week like, how do, I, how do you preach about hope? And how do you say to people, be hopeful? I, I don't actually know that I know how to do that. So we're going to lean into... Um, something other than just words. We're going to lean into art. Art often helps us when the words are hard to come by or it's unclear how to communicate or, or what to say. We've looked at this image before, actually. I want to invite you to consider it again. If you're online with us, there's a link in the chat window that you can click on that will take you to all of the images in a series called Streams in the Wasteland uh, by Josh Thiessen. And this is one of those images, Can These Bones Live?, which should sound familiar. He's taking his inspiration from Ezekiel 37. Let me just invite you to take a look. Let me ask you what you notice. What do you notice about this image? 